welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given in the local listening area. Today's show features Father Nicholas Mancini, a priest of the Diocese of Youngstown, Ohio, and his six-part series on the life and legacy of Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. And now, Father Nicholas Mancini. Welcome again to our discussion on Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, the Servant of God, as we look now at his radio, The Electronic Age of the Time. I'm Father Nicholas Mancini, and we are going to be looking at Archbishop Sheen's radio shows, The Electronic Age, by which he now dramatically brings evangelization to the age of radio. On the subject of radio, Bishop Sheen writes, Providence fixed my birth at the time of the electronic age. Just about the time I reached intellectual maturity, a new way of preaching was open to the church and to mankind. It became possible for any priest, for example, to preach to more people in a half hour than St. Paul preached during his entire lifetime. This electronic age of radio, and later on television, may be likened to the Old and New Testament. Radio is like the Old Testament inasmuch as it is the communication of the Word without vision. Television is like the New Testament, which is the Word made flesh and visible. Radio, perhaps, Sheen writes, had some advantages. It possibly gave the audience a greater opportunity to judge a speaker, for they had only his words. No gimmicks could be used, for they could not be seen. It was almost like listening to a voice in the dark. But that is not very important. What is important is that in this electronic age, God opened to us something new. Just as he hid the vast content of America behind a veil until that veil was pierced by three ships of Columbus, so too he hid the revelation of electronic communication until our time. Radio is based on light and the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second. It added an entirely new dimension to what might be called the basic light of the universe. In the book of Genesis, we read, In the beginning God said, Let there be light. Light came before the sun. It was there and therefore source of energy long before the planets were flung into space. Sir James Jeans of Oxford University said that the most scientific description of the universe that was ever given was that contained in Genesis. In the beginning God said, Let there be light. The whole universe is seen as light, and we needed radio to communicate a new form of it. God dwells in light. 
The angels have the light. The fallen angel, Lucifer, was the bearer of light. Man, in the natural order, has the light of reason. In the supernatural order, he has the light of faith. Then there is light of the sun and the light of the senses by which animals direct themselves. Light is essential for the development of planets. But that is about as far as mankind ever came until the end of the vast last century. We used to think that the universe was made up of tiny little billiard balls called atoms. Atoms because they could not be cut. The Greeks used to ask if you could cut up matter into small particles that it would be impossible to cut anymore. And that uncuttable element was called an atom. Then, at the beginning of our century, we discovered the atom was not a billiard ball. It was like a miniature solar system. Just as the sun is the center of the solar system and the planets like Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, Earth, Mars, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune and Pluto revolve about it, so too there were many neutrons that began revolving around the protons. Everything in the universe, therefore, became light, and one wonders if someday we might discover that the unit of light is not the cell, but some unusual combination of this same electrical energy. Well, Sheen writes, such was radio, and such is the new age that it unhurled at the beginning of our century. How did I come to become involved in radio? Sheen tells us, well, I just begun teaching at the Catholic University of America when I was invited to give a series of sermons during Lent at St. Paul's Church on 59th Street in New York. Now, Sheen believed that the invitation came from Father Lyons, a Paulist, who was his confessor when he was a student in Rome. He suggested Bishop Sheen's name to Father Riley, who was then the pastor of St. Paul's. Afterwards, I heard that Father Riley, on the occasion of my first sermon, came out to hear me for just a minute or so, and then returned and said, Why did I ever invite that man? Father Lyons said, Go back and listen for more than just a minute. And when I finished that evening, Father Riley asked if I would come back the following year. And I was there for a number of years. St. Paul's Church became the Mecca and the radio center of Catholic life in New York City. First of all, the church had a radio station. It was then called W-L-W-L. But the church itself had one greater advantage to draw crowds, namely the excellent choir of Father Finn, 
a choir composed of 60 or 80 voices. It was really inspiring to be in that church during Lent and to listen to that magnificent choir. Sheen describes this as the beauty of that first encounter with radio. Then he writes and he describes it in this way. He says, those who came to the services would feel the vast upper church by seven o'clock in the evening. Then they would have to feel the lower church. After that, 500 chairs were used to fill out the small chapel, and eventually pillows were brought out to be put on the sanctuary floor so that the great edifice of St. Paul was filled upstairs and downstairs every Lent. How did Sheen become to be called to national radio? Well, he first describes it in this way. He says, first of all, it must be remembered that in those days there was a great demand on the part of religions for airtime. It was not a question of great religious groups asking for time, but particular churches and sects. I, not just a few cases, there was a desire to be on the radio or to challenge someone else. A speaker on the radio had the advantage of being able to tell others what he thought of them without being seen. And these uncontrolled attacks, as well as the vast demands made upon the radio stations, forced them to protect themselves. They did this by going to three great national bodies. The Federal Council of Churches, the body of representative of the Jews, and finally, the National Council of Catholic Bishops. Each group was asked to name a speaker. When, therefore, the Catholic Hour began nationally on RCA and extended throughout the entire United States, I was the first one to be invited, Sheen writes, to speak. No sooner had I started than there was a considerable opposition to my method. The subject of my first broadcasts were on divine subject, God, the Trinity, the Incarnation, and the Church. The principal attacks upon the program came from Milwaukee and Oklahoma, Sheen writes. The Catholic voices in those two places protested against the type of presentation that I was giving. I was suggested to me that I be taken off the air and that two characters who could imitate would be put into my place. Amos and Andy, then the most popular of the radio comedians, argue and discuss the subject of religion from a humorous and down-to-earth fashion. After a while, the attacks petered out, Sheen says, 
because the vast volume of mail came approving the Catholic hour. The time allotted to the Catholic hour was 6 p.m. It was just about an hour before Fred Allen's program. We would often meet one another as we came into our studios. Of course, not everyone in the United States had a radio at that time. Sheen tells us, I remember receiving a letter from someone in Kansas telling me that a farmer used to wire a fence to communicate with his neighbor. Another farmer, about 10 miles away, picked up my Sunday evening broadcast. The new electronic age we are discussing in the writings of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. We'll return to Living Bread Radio Presents after a short break. LivingBreadRadio.com is your link to quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day. Just click on Listen Live and you'll hear all of our programs right on your computer, even after we've signed off for the evening. You can also listen to your favorite episodes of Truth Matters and Lifeline, or download and listen to the daily Mass readings and reflection with Liturgy of the Word. That's livingbreadradio.com, your link to quality Catholic programs 24 hours a day. And now the conclusion of today's production of Living Bread Radio Presents. We're back and we're looking at Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen's description of his early years in radio. Let's look now, he says here, Now let me recall something about the method that I used in delivery with some of its effects. The method that Sheen used was psychology. He called it an appropriate mass. That means that you work from the known to the unknown. If, for example... You are invited into a strange group. You would look around quickly to see if there was anyone there that you knew. Finding one, he would become the means and the instrument of knowing others. So in lecturing and in radio, one has to start with something that is common with the audience. You cannot begin a Catholic hour broadcast by saying, I want to talk to you today about the subject of transubstantiation. One must proceed from the known to the unknown, particularly from the experience of the authors to their own needs. As one studies the Gospels, one knows this was the method of our blessed Lord. He was talking to the woman at the well, who was an adulteress. The one thing he had in common with her was the love of a drink of cold water. And from that common love, which prompted him to ask for a drink, he led her on the subject of the waters of everlasting life. St. Paul also used that method in Athens 
when he went from the marketplace up to the heel of Mars and stood before the Roman senators. He had to find some common ground. Recalling the number of statues of gods he had seen on the way up, and also recalling that he had seen one statue to the unknown god, he started his sermon with that. The God that you not know is the God that I preach. So the method had to be the method of the Incarnation, starting with human experience and then building up to the Divine. That's how Bishop Sheen approached his radio shows. And this is why he is telling us in these early years of radio, this is how he had to begin. He goes on once again, my dear friends, to describe this method by saying, it must never be thought that there is never a common denominator with an audience. Whatever that audience happens to be, certainly at the present time, the common denominator is the tension and the understanding of the tension that is written in every human heart. From a theological point of view, the most important treatise in theology in dealing with the modern world is original sin. Whatever man is, he is not what he ought to be. Every single person is full of anxiety, dreads, fears, complexities, contradictions. The good that he wills to do, said St. Paul, he does not. And the evil he wills not to do, he does. And starting with this tension, this contradiction, one can go to the sign of contradiction, which is the cross, and to Christ himself. Such then was the method. Sometimes the method will involve a very abstract subject. Sheen tells us, I remember once giving a talk on the Trinity. Now, one cannot prove that Christ is the Son of God from the Trinity, Christ being the Word made flesh, because one would never know the Word of God except by the revelation of Christ himself. But the vice president of one of the networks said to Sheen, after a telecast on the Trinity, This is the first time I have ever understood that Christ is the Son of God or the Word made flesh. On the other hand, he says, I remember instructing a convert on the subject of the Trinity. I began by saying, the Trinity is a very abstract subject, and we know it only by revelation, not by reason. But I will try to give you some analogies to give you a slight understanding of this great mystery. He says, I talked for an hour about the Trinity, and when I had finished, the woman said, You told me that the Trinity was a mystery. It is no longer a mystery to me. You have made it very clear. 
I said, Madam, if I have made it that clear to you, I have not explained it correctly. Sheen's delivery and understanding brought many to the understanding of faith in his radio programs. He goes in now to show us how the method of television was different than that of radio. As he says, the method of television was that of a spontaneous delivery. I used no notes, nor did I exactly memorize. One has much more air outside the body than one ever absorbs into the lungs. So one must have a wider understanding of the subject than what is prepared on paper. I had to write out many of my broadcasts because they had to be presented to the bishop's conference. But when the time for delivery came, I had no notes before me. One makes mistakes as one does in a spontaneous dictation of this kind. But there is also a greater conviction that is communicated. Reading can have a tone of insincerity. There is and there are sounds of judgment. There is some sound of judgment in the old Irish woman who heard a bishop reading a speech, and she said, Glory be to God, if he can't remember it, how does he expect us to remember it? A little wit and wisdom of Archbishop Sheen. That brings up the question of does one sometimes forget? Yes, sometimes one does forget, but one improvises until the whole thread of thought returns. He also describes in this writing about his early years another question that was asked of him. How can you end exactly on the second required? For example, the radio talk would be about 28 minutes and 30 seconds. Well, the answer to finishing exactly on the second is to be prepared with a conclusion. As comedians say, it is very easy to get on the stage, but it is very difficult to get off. One has to have a good line. One of the first things to be prepared in a sermon is the conclusion. You decide what the conclusion will be, how long it will take. Then you watch the clock. If you decide the conclusion takes two minutes, then two minutes before the set time you go into the conclusion. If you decide the conclusion will take one minute and a half, then one minute and a half before the appointed time of the conclusion. You go into the conclusion. So much for the method. Now we might be able to recall some of the effects of the radio. One of the first results of the radio that came to mind is the increase of letters. 
Bishop Sheen would receive hundreds of letters. And one time, he decides to do this. He has a mailbag, and the letters were of various kinds. One special group that he speaks of brings in some of these ideas and thoughts that he was putting out across the radio. He also tells us that one special group that he will speak of later, that some wanted his talks. Some people would write in and enclose donations to the bishop's conference to to defray the cost of the radio program. Others would write in telling him, why not expand the program more? Because they wanted to learn more, and the letters kept coming. He writes, I remember receiving in a brown envelope $8,000 in bills, which I was asked to give to an insurance company, and which, according to the writer, had been defrauded of that much money. Sometimes there would be personal gifts. All of these gifts would be sent to the Martin de Poor's Hospital in Mobile. I was given a heritage at one time by Mrs. Brady, and I gave the money to Bishop Tolan of Mobile, Alabama, to build the first maternity hospital for Negroes in the United States. Many, many letters came in to Bishop Sheen. Repentant letters, as we just heard, of the man who had embezzled $8,000 and gave it back to the insurance company. Many donations to do good for people, to build hospitals, all from an idea and a radio show, The Catholic Hour. Next time, we will continue with Bishop Sheen's early years in the electronic age of radio. God be with you. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For a copy of this program on compact disc, call 330-966-2903 and reference the program broadcast date. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.